Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Before we start, can we ask one thing? 74% of you that watch this channel frequently do not subscribe. If you've enjoyed our videos, please could you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button? It helps this channel more than you know, and the bigger the channel gets, the bigger the learning gets. Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Jonathan Herbs is the host of the Business Focus Podcast. He is a strategic advisor, coach, and mentor to entrepreneurial business owners, CEOs, and senior executives. In this podcast, he chats with entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs of scaling companies. It centers around their entrepreneurial journey so far and their aspirations for their companies. So today I've got great pleasure. I'm interviewing Christopher Rogers, who's Director of Payments of Eonix and also Managing Director of the Eden Consultancy. Welcome. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks. Uh, great to be here. Thanks, Christopher. Um, uh, I, I was saying, earlier, I'm, I'm a bit amused. I, I read an article in the, in the Australian Financial Review about, about, about Christopher. Christopher, so I actually recognised the background from the from the from the article. Um, <laughs> so tell me, what is it you do, and how long have you been doing? Give us a bit of a uh, yeah, sort of yeah. Well, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in music anymore. Um, yeah. Thankfully, I was a one-hit wonder. Um, but I actually learned a lot about technology back in those days because music yes. was one of the early adopters of tech. So I am uh, squarely in the technology business, fintech specifically, financial technology. And I guess, Jonathan, you could call me a payments evangelist. I've been doing payments technology um, for a long time now, I think uh, close to 14 years, starting with peer-to-peer payments and now running you know, large uh, payments and loyalty products with EonX, which is actually a listed company. So a full gamut of experience working on, thinking up, and growing startups. Okay. So let's talk about, can we deep dive into that a bit further? Um, let's, well, let's talk about EonX. What does EonX do? Eonex is a is a strange beast. Um, it's one. It's two sides to its coins. Um, it's um, a loyalty platform developer. So we do loyalty programs for the like of Boopa. Um, your listeners um, or watchers rather will probably have seen Boopa promoting their loyalty program recently. You know mm-hmm. benefits. Um, for their spend. And and that is our bread and butter. But inevitably with loyalty comes a payments requirement. So Eonex have become very good at developing payments technology. So the infrastructure around the payments you and I would do on a daily basis. And most recently, we're now developing uh, the payments infrastructure for MasterCard for an account-to-account play. So a large on-scheme behemoth is moving into the bank transfer business, and we are building that solution. So really exciting, really big clients, which makes us behave in a very different way to how we might have behaved when we were just starting. So a really interesting space at the moment for EonX. And Jonathan, we're about 130 plus people, both on and offshore. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been through that growth stage, and we're now consolidating our product and, and rolling that out to market as well. Thank you. And what about Eden, Eden Consultancy? Because you've got the two gamuts to what you do. Yeah, that's right. So Eden, like I said, I've been living and breathing payments as it goes through a really transformative state. So payments used to be one thing, you know, card or, you know, electronic bank transfer. And fast forward to today, the world is embracing domestic real-time payments channels, cross-border payments. I've been lucky enough to work on some significant projects in that arena. So now... Through Eden, I advise businesses on future trends in payments uh, around financial technology. And I guess most importantly, the social impact 
that technology can have on a consumer or, or customer. So through Eden, I am able to opine and give advice and, and I guess mentor people that have been through or going through what I've been lucky enough to have gone through. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I'm going to bring you down to a small, um, small level, I suppose. Through as a you know, CEO, founder, manager, director of a private company, um, ten to two hundred and fifty odd staff. Mm-hmm. How, where, where do they fit into your your gamut of, of advice? For a bit of work? Where do they fit in in terms of how I might work with them, or what? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's shared experience. If we think about eight years ago, um, even or more recently, there was not much collaboration happening. Uh, we were disruptors launching against incumbents in any particular vertical, right, Jonathan? But now what's happened, and in my turf, let me speak specifically around banks and fintechs, we are now collaborating more than ever because those large institutions have understood that uh, they can't keep competing with such agile innovators, so why not collaborate? And I think that's a fair comment amongst all that gamut of, of, of your, your watchers. Um, we work together increasingly. We find synergies. And the World Economic Forum calls that an ecosystem. And that's very new, where many vendors will increasingly work together to drive a value outcome for their customers. And we each do a different part of that mix. <laughs> Economic Forum thinks that's a value chain of about 100 trillion by 2030. So wow. it's a very bankable concept of this whole ecosystem play, right? Yeah. Well, wow. yeah. um, so, you know, I'm looking at where you are now. Um, and I know that you're, you're, I think you're in Linux, Linux head, yeah? Correct. Um, if you can put your own hat on, but also the hat of, of EMX, what actions did you take during the pandemic? Um, and what are the, some of those actions that were remote? Particularly, which what actions did you take that will remain in the business going forward? Mm. I think um, you're right. This is a, an office I was lucky enough to have built during the pandemic. So it's my little oasis. And um, I commute everywhere, um, but base myself here. And, and it took a pandemic, I think, to prove that you can be as productive, as cohesive as a team to some extent. Uh, working remotely. Uh, now, there's a lot of narrative around remote work versus get into the office. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of both. I think FaceTime is always going to be absolutely critical on the right terms. But to be honest, the real outcome from the pandemic that will continue and persist is fiscal awareness. Just, you know, in the startup era I was born into, professionally, we could raise a lot of money and we could burn it as we chose. And it was more about, well, what is it going to lead to? And no one put an eye on the bottom line. No one actually looked at the revenue, interestingly enough, the multiples, the valuations, the outcomes, all based on product and, and uh, you know, how much you could raise. Literally, you're valued on the amount you raised. I think the pandemic has sobered us. I think the macroeconomic picture right now has sobered us. And so a lot of startups are thinking, well, let's focus less on that inflated multiple. Let's think about if the cord was ripped today, how long could we persist and what is the true value? And for me, it's not only the ability to generate revenue, it's the ability to retain really awesome people. And that's what keeps me up at night is culture people and making sure they're rewarded and attracted to my business. So I, I think that is something that's common and a direct output of something like a pandemic. You know, it's interesting you say that. I've, uh, a theme of um, the CEOs and founders I'm speaking, on, speaking to on, the, on this series 
mm-hmm. um, those who are raising money, um, yeah, you know, raising investment. Um, you know, two years ago, you could get away with revenue projections that you know were anywhere. Um, now the investors are looking for serious revenue, but more importantly, um, looking at serious profit. Uh, with the you know, with the comment, don't necessarily think you're coming back for another you know, another bite. That you know your your um, your burn rate has to be uh, realistic, and and you need to be generating real profit. And as you say, it's all about having the right people and keeping them. That's right. And look, I'm a courageous businessman. I, I like taking risks. Um, in a, a sector like fintech, your risk appetite is much higher. Mm. I think the, the lesson I've learned or this has taught me is you have to balance the two. You know, it's a very exciting space, but to run a good business, it has to have bricks and mortar. Not literally, but it has to have framework. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think your point about getting together face to face is an important one. It seems to be coming. Yeah, my well, educated guy because I speak to a lot of CEOs. Um, it seems to be coming down to this hybrid of two days a week at least together. Um, is that what you're seeing as well? I am. And I think it, what I've learned is we have a lot of staff. Uh, a lot of them are focused in the Melbourne area in, in Australia. And uh, people were wanting to come back in, but when they did, no one else was. So it has to be synced. So you exactly, come in, no, exactly, and that's exactly important. Yeah. It's going to be the same days. Yeah. That's right. And so I think a lot of companies I'm seeing are saying Tuesdays, Thursdays, come on in, but yeah. take up the time that you'd usually waste getting in to do better, more productive things. So it's, it's kind of a, everyone's on the same hymn sheet there, I think. Um, if it is about people and attracting people, if you're not doing or offering the things that others are, you won't get that same talent. So I'll be interested to see how it plays out for companies saying you must come in again. Now, we run call centers. We have high levels of information security. So obviously, there's a dedicated footprint that necessarily have to be within an office space. And there's lots of service industries like that. But um, it's going to be interesting. I don't have a crystal ball, but I am uh, hopefully a poster boy for the ability to lead companies and do that from my office here in Lennox Head near Byron and and make the commitment to fly regularly, almost weekly. But it works. Well, I mean, it's interesting you say that because um, I, live, I live in Barrow, which is about now in hot southwest of Sydney. Country um, and you know my commute these days is from our house, um, literally across the fence into another house I bought to have as my office. Um, <laughs> I love pictures of jumping the fence to get. No, to I, no I, I truly, I literally do. And um, uh, luckily, it's not too high a fence. Um, but look at the technology. <laughs> look at the technology. The conversation we're having from two regional centres. Um, yeah. Uh, but at the same time, when I get together with my clients for their quarterly planning. We do it. We get together, and we are, we spend a couple of days together. Um, it's it's so important, you know, for that collaboration. No, that's right. I couldn't agree more. I I thought map a lot of my clients writing around a, an A3 piece of paper, but then I love bringing that to them, handing it to them, and we walk through their mind map together, and then you get the best outcomes. <laughs> yeah, for, for me, it's called post-it notes. <laughs> I'm so, on a, so agile, Jonathan. Exactly <laughs> right. Um, Okay, but let's, you mentioned a bit about the future. What does the future look like and what do you see as main challenges going forward? Well, I try to look um, a lot more short-sighted than the mega trends we tend to read about in business. 
Uh, I find looking to horizonal being counterintuitive to what we have to do in the short term. And by that, I mean, you know, the metaverse, are we pivoting towards it? You know, quantum computing, what's its impact on financial tools? And whilst that's all well and good, that's a horizon piece many businesses simply can't or won't play to. So uh, the future for me is really, really exciting. I mean, look at technology. Again, I'm an evangelist. I could go on for hours about this, but I love the comparison of an iPod classic you know with 50,000 songs in your hand to the iWatch which is 90 million songs on your wrist mm. that's the last nine years so I can't tell you today what the mega trend is but I can tell you we're all preparing for it by conformity interoperability standardized messaging good tech that crosses borders so when things do happen we can easily ingest and integrate. And for me, that's a really important part, but that's a technology thing. Mm. But I think we all have to be able to speak the same languages, whether that's a coding language or a, a real language. Um, it's very important that there's that interoperability. That for me is the future and everything we produce and strategize over is to do with that, that uniformity or com 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 compliance, I guess, for want of a better word. Well, I mean, you look at, you look at Apple yesterday, um, they've launched a new a new iPad with a um, USB C um, charger rather than the rather than the, the Apple proprietary. You know, finally, it finally had to happen. I want to show you my case of leads, but it's too far away to reach. No, uh, look, um, if you could, I've got, I've got the background on. If you could see the the, the clutter, I'm, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but you know, it's also as you say, it's also the uh, yeah. That's just a bit of hardware. It's it's every other piece that. Um, Fixing as well. That's right. That's mm. right. It simply has to work together to to create a value proposition. Correct. Um, yeah. What do you think has been the biggest learning um, you've had since you've been a business owner, business business leader? Well, I've been fortunate to have launched businesses since 2008, or before that, actually. My wife and I published a magazine before then, um, all of which were our own businesses. And you learn lessons within that experience. But actually... After exiting what is today called Zepto, I joined Mambu as a general manager. Now, Mambu, for those that don't know, is a, a, trip, a, a $5 billion unicorn software company based out of Amsterdam. And so coming from a CEO, doing my own raises and my own responsibilities into a general manager role with a much bigger company was one of the best lessons I'd ever had. Because I was working within a hyperscaled business, um, having to bed down a lot of systems ahead of a potentially an IPO. Uh, and I enjoyed doing a short tenure. Uh, as a localized GM to execute a strategy for them into this market because I've learned the other side of the coin. And now I've come back into working as a founder and with founders. Um, I'm applying those lessons as much as I am the hard road I walked for many years before that. So walk in a different business's shoes for a while at the beginning of your career, or in my case, in the middle of one, um, to get learnings. It's a really interesting point. You know, it's... Um uh, I'm thinking thinking about about that that um, journey. I uh, recently uh, yeah. I recently graduated a um, a client who was so they were, they graduated uh, from from the um, a Fortune 500 uh, the APAC uh, division of the Fortune Fortune 500 and um, in technology, um, 100 staffs, um, seven countries around APAC. APAC I, I coached the leadership team and. Um, 
absolutely fascinating for me. You know, the last time I was in a large, um, a senior role in a large um, uh, listed company was, you know, Len Lease going back into the year 2000 type thing. So it's fascinating going back over the last three years working in, in, in that environment. Um, even, admittedly, as a coach and as an outsider, but, you know, um, just a different mind. It's a different mindset and a different way of doing things. Yeah, and such, and a, such a different scale. That's right. And now I feel mm. I can see the wood for the trees. You know, I can mm. see busyness and, and have yeah. a, a high level of clarity. So, yeah, very interesting. That's right. So, tell me, the word successful, who, po- who pops to mind and why? The word successful. To be honest, I have young twins, a boy and a girl, and Gabriel is a success at the moment because he's been able to ride a two-wheeler on grass for a while but needs a push and needs to fall to stop. This weekend, he learned how to self-start his bike. And for me, that is success. And you can draw so many parables from that, right? Like, you know, to push in, keep going with momentum. It's really when you learn how the wheel turns that that, that is the key to success. So I guess my son. <laughs> but others, I guess. That's a fabulous answer. Thank you for that. But keep going. Well, I mean, then I have to give you a typical answer, right? So I guess um, I find success amongst my yeah, my peers. So people like uh, Clayton Howes from Money Me, uh, Dom Pin from UpBank, even Fred Shabesta from Finder. These people have done the hard yards uh, with a high level of belief and bravado and achieved really good success. So I look for peer influence more than I look for page turning influence through people that aren't in my same you know sphere of, of work. So I, I look to my network to find success regularly and celebrate it. Okay. So why are they successful? Can dig down there a bit more for me. Yeah, why sure. I think they're successful by being uh, people persons. So if you look at Money Me, the, the ones I mentioned, um, Finder especially and UpBank, they brought the best people into the best environment. And I, I really, and I know I've said this today already, but they, they doubled down on their investment in those people. And that shines. Those people are either still there or exited successfully and they're doing other great things. But they've also got, um, I guess, what you would call chutzpah. They, they can get in front of a camera and say something confidently. And I, I look to those people to emulate them, to, to be able to back myself and back my business um, and I think that speaks volumes to a market and even to a consumer if you're a B2C play. So their success has been partly great product, partly luck and timing. Let's be real. It always is about just a bit of luck as well. I totally agree. I, thank you for that. Um, and I totally agree. I love the story about your son. Um, <laughs> having 42 of these, these um, series of scanning up interviews I've done now, the child is, your son is the first child that's come up. I've had mums, dads, grandfathers. You know, it, it, this is actually one of my favourite favourite questions, as it turns out. I bet. That's a great question. Yeah, it, it really brings out some interesting answers. Yeah, I um, bet. I want to watch all 42 again. To, to <laughs> <it's actually> right. <laughs> Hopefully I'm getting a bit better as we, as we go, go along. Um, so um, business books, podcasts, um, leadership autobiographies, anything you'd recommend? Yeah, there are several. I think if I'm really honest with you, I used to be a deep reader. I studied philosophy. And I think you and I were talking before and you said readers are leaders. I'm now more of a TikTok kind of guy whereby I've got the attention of a goldfish. Um, I'll watch something for 30 seconds and move on. So with that... One of the books I go to constantly is actually The Art of War by Sun Tzu. 
Yeah, he's a, a Chinese war philosopher, and that is just a a quote by quote inspiration. An invade, you know, you know, side in the village where your customers are, because when the invading armies come in, they're your friends. You can apply this to every vertical and every business. So that's super exciting. The other one is the brutal simplicity of thought, which is actually an employee handbook that MC Sachi. I've got it here. Um, the ad agency give to all of their staff. And it simply reminds you about simple things that change the world. So what I saw today is, how, how do you persuade consumers to buy more? Well, they invented the grocery bag, so you could carry more than you could in your hands. So from paper clips to toilets to shopping bags, this is probably something I digest on a daily basis. And the last thing I'll say is a cheat sheet. Uh, it's great to cheat in a, in a noble way. So things like Squiz Today by Squiz Media is a podcast recorded every morning at 6am by two female journalists to just cut through the noise and tell you what the news is that you need to know that day. So it takes me five minutes to listen to these very, very astute journos talk about the, the, the news of the day. So I'm a cheat sheet kind of listener. And there's lots of podcasts you can find that summarize things so you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be about Sachi. I, um, I have a story about Sachi. I think okay. a lot of people do. Um, but I was doing my MBA. Um, I, I was working at the Commonwealth Bank. I was doing my MBA, and um, the deal I had was I had, they, they were supporting me. I had to um, go back to work every every semester break to work. And one of these breaks, they put me in as pardon me head of um, uh, head of the marketing function within the CBA's personal bank. Okay. And um, this was in the days of. Um, um, which bank and which bank the which bank campaign had just started and, and I sort of came in literally that stage when they were doing all of the creatives and, and things for the which bank campaign and so I met the account managers and you know we were having a chat I said how did you come up with the idea of which bank and uh, this is over cut me up in those days this, um, you know, lunches were had lots of booze and um, they told me, well, you know, they said, that we, you're probably the first person we've told at CBA this story. I said, what's that? Because you know, they put the, 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 the campaign, the budget, without any detail of what the campaign was to the board and being signed off. And it was the largest advertising deal in Australia, I think, at that stage, maybe just behind close. <clears throat> and they went running back to, back to the head office, which was in the rocks, running into the, in, in, into, um, uh, into the head office saying, we got it, we got it running through the office, uh, jubilant. And um, we got it. And a temp secretary, as they ran by, one of the temp secretaries said, you, you know, what did you get? We got the bank. And she then followed up with which bank? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm reliably informed that's a true story about how they came up, came up with this concept. And the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah, the simple things, history. listening to everybody, not Correct. listening a bit. It speaks Correct. volumes to the few things we've covered today. <laughs> Correct. And you know, the other part of that story was, um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to show this to you on um, <laughs> TV, but um, he, um, so I'm, I'm going to be, I'm hoping that my um, background isn't too bad. Bear with <laughs> Remembering this is what in prosperity. <laughs> there we go. I said, that's not too bad. So uh, where am I? Um, the, the the CBA logo you know, is this thing with a black corner, a black triangle in the corner. Yes. Um, the other thing I was told, I don't once again, I don't know if it's totally true, was that that is a, a piece of toast dipped in Vegemite. 
um, and that the 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 corners of that logo of, of that that thing is actually, which is true, are uh, the uh, the stars of the Southern Cross. Well, there you go. It's the Vegemite thing that got me. That's brilliant. That's right. But apparently, apparently that's true. Too. Anyway, I'm well and truly digressing where we are. Well, today any I learned. <laughs> any, any last piece of advice or parting words for um, an entrepreneur, aspiring entrepreneur out there? Wow. I, there's, there, there's so much. But I guess um, you've got to back yourself. I think I mentioned that earlier today, that a lot of us, me included, go through this this um, crisis of faith, can we really do it? And it took moving to Australia at the turn of the century to, to find a, a, an environment where I could give things a go, launch businesses. And I think too many great ideas aren't, don't see the light of day. I have great dinner conversations of ideas that I see as brilliant, but um, we as people have an opportunity here to launch great ideas and be supported to do them. So have belief in yourself, but then, the worst thing that can happen is to continue to overbelieve believe in yourself when it comes to scaling a business. Trust others. Know that people can do it as well as you can. And there will come a point where you have to hand over the rails and your business becomes about its future, not your future. And a lot of founders struggle with that moment. And that moment in time will come if it hasn't already. And it's how you let go that is just as important as how you grabbed on in the first place. That is a great piece of advice. And interesting enough, I, you know, I've, I've done two of these stories today. Um, I've just got off an interview with um, David Walcott um, uh, from um, uh, a company called Booze Buds. Um, yeah. yeah. Co-founder Booze Buds. And he has, I mean, when I got on, I just, you know, do my research as I normally do. And I'd see that he's finished, finished there this month. And I said, and what are you out of a job? And he said, yeah, he's been the CEO for many years and, he realised it was time to bring up bring in someone who is able to scale it in a different way to the way he does. And it was we had a good conversation about exactly the point you just made, Christopher. Um, so yeah, it's well worth, well worth watching that one as well. <laughs> Will do. And thank you again for, for having oh, no, us on. Thank you. I've had it's, I, yeah, as I said to you earlier, I, I love this is the one part of my business apart from coaching that I, I, I just won't delegate. Yeah. I, I love the conversations. Um, and I have no, like, as well. Thank you. <laughs> now, thank you very much. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you watch slash listen. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to admin at scaleupgrowth.co put be a guest in the subject line and tell me a little about yourself. If you want to gauge where your business growth potential is and identify where the biggest opportunities in your business lie or where the key needs that you need to concentrate on right now are, take our assessment where you will receive personalized advice for improvement. It's quick and free. Go to scaleupgrowth.scoreapp.com. If you would like to work with me one-to-one, I love coaching and get the best outcomes that way. Send me an email to jonathan at scaleupgrowth.co and put one-to-one in the heading. Tell me a bit about your business and let's see how we can apply a great strategy for your business. So that's it for this week. Tune in next time for more great learnings from a scaling entrepreneur.